Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. I believe I have a word for this body, for our community. I believe I have a word for either other churches. They would listen to what the Spirit would say to the church. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right. These things says the truth, the let it be so, the amen. No question who is speaking to his church, the amen. The faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will, strong verbiage here, vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, notice the phrase, you say. And listen, this is not a message of rebuke. Somebody's already said, oh goodness, preacher's preaching this on Labor Day. Bear with me, God has a word. Because you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. I do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Notice the difference and what they say and what God says. I counsel you to buy from me gold, and that word buy is to acquire, refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments and that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Aren't you thankful that you've repented over some sins in your past, and instead of them being a public knowledge to all, they're buried away, thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. Nobody else is happy about that. I sure am this morning. I'm thankful for the mercy of Jesus Christ. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. A few more verses. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. What beautiful statement made to us. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Last verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can somebody say amen in this house? I want to preach just for a few moments. I want you to worship with me. Tonight we don't have service as our custom for a holiday weekend. So for the next 30 minutes, I want you to worship with me. And let's hear what the Holy Ghost will say to the North Wahala Church of God. My message this morning, let me in. Father, we open the doors of this church and we invite you. It may be symbolic in the natural, but God in the spirit realm. In the supernatural, we ask that you walk among us, that the word be premium at our church. Let not scripture be an afterthought of our involvement. Let not the spirit of God be something we add on at the end of the month. Let not the prayer room be vacant and somebody remembers that we have not prayed in a season, but with great fervency, with great zeal and great passion, God, let us open our doors and let you into our church. This is your church, God. Walk among us. Be head of our, your church. 
Let your glory fall in your house. And we give you praise. And everybody said, 10 seconds, greet somebody and tell them to get ready. Tell them it's good to see them before you sit down. 10 seconds. One of the greatest stories that is preached, one of the greatest parable stories, I say words of Christ that is preached throughout the church age has been the prodigal son. It is so easy, relatable to all of us, knowing that all of us have drifted at some time in our life and we are ever thankful for a father who leaves the door open, who invites us back home, and when we come back home, he does not send us away as some outcast, but he kills the fatted calf, puts new garments on us, and puts a ring on our finger, and accepts us as one as the beloved. Is that not the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ? However, though, that, that sermon to me is not preached in an adequate manner unless somehow you follow up with the other brother. Because I also believe that you and I can relate to that story as well. But the outcome there is not one that we like or it's not a testimony that we want to share. Because the outside of that is the other brother who says to the father, Father, what are you doing? He left you. He blew his inheritance. He wasted it on getting drunk, on doing this, on doing that. He gave it all away and yet I have been with you. I have been faithful. I have been here the whole time. I have done everything that you have asked me, but yet when he comes home, you celebrate him and do not celebrate me. But the verse that sticks out in my mind that kind of reminds me of the modern American church is verse 31 of chapter 15 in Luke's writing. He said to the son, the second son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. You have been here the whole time and don't you know that everything that I have is absolutely yours. It's one thing to leave the house and forget for a while but remember what you had and return home. But it's another thing to be in the house and forget the blessings of the house while you're inside the house. Come on somebody. It's one thing to go to the pig pen and get up and say, Roy, you know what? I've got it better back home. I'm going home. A lot of us can relate to that. But what about the other brother when you're in the house and you're working for the house and you're serving the house and you're doing what the house asks of you, but somehow while you're doing the Lord's work, you forget about the, the Lord of that work and you become indifferent to the man of the house and so it becomes a chore to you instead of an act of worship. Too many people in the modern church world, we do church out of necessity. We do church because we're supposed to. We do church because we want a good standing in society. We do church because I want to be the senator. I want to be the mayor. I want to do this. We preach for money. We preach for a career. But somehow, somewhere, I believe that God is asking the church again, if you're going to be in the house, why don't you love the God that's over the house? I believe that God is trying to capture the heart of the church again, that we may not be buildings or denominations that are defined by what we put on paper, 
but that we are people of God led of the Spirit who have not made the church a fort where nobody comes in or goes out, that we're protective of our ministries and protective of our callings, but there's a passion burning on the inside that says God said he's gonna pour out his spirit in these last days and I've made up my mind, I'm gonna let his spirit pour out on me and my house. Come on, give God praise if you believe that. I will, the son was in the house the whole time but became indifferent. Revelation chapter three reminds me of that son. The background of this scripture is a church of Laodicea. I believe which is the North American church of today. I believe it speaks to who we are and what we are. If any church of this, this revelation, the seven churches reflects us, I believe it's the church of Laodicea. This church in the Lycus Valley was strategically located where three highways convened. It was a commercial city because three roads came into it, thus import and export was made easy. It was a wealthy city, a city of bakers and those who would finance, a city of manufacturing great things, of making wool, woolen garments, medical eye salve, powders and tabloids of medicine. This city had it all, and in their mind, they did not lack anything. However, in this city was a church there, and the church was not the problem, but the church had a problem. And the problem was that the church was not affecting the city, but the city was affecting the church. We've got it backwards. The church should have been changing the city, but the city culture was changing the church. The church had begun to transition their love and their trust away from God unto their man-made methods. Let me say this one time, and I'm gonna say it one time only. God is not upset with you being financially blessed. It's all relative anyway when you compare yourself. This is not about a sermon against those who have money. You can serve God with 10 million in the bank or $10 in the bank. This is not an attack on wealthy people. But this is a direct sermon against people, no matter what bank account you have, because some can trust in their $10 as much as somebody trusts in their 10 million. Are you listening? This is about a culture who begin to put God aside and they did not pursue a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. They were fat physically, fat they thought spiritually, comfortable inside their self. Jesus who once was their passion is now second place. The church that once burned with God now has forgot about that church just like Haggai prophesied about. Oh ye that dwell in sealed houses and my house lies in waste. God did not rebuke the people of Haggai's day for not working, uh, for not having nice houses. God doesn't care if your house is nice. You can have the nicest house in town as long as you don't forget about the house of God and the work of God. We've got to come back to what I preached in Sunday school or I told in Sunday school today. We have lost our impact on the world because we are disconnected with the Lord of the church. I wish somebody would listen this morning. We have lost our missional mandate because the missional mandate no longer rests in our heart. We don't preach or teach about missions prayer, fasting, and the basic tenets of the early house churches of Acts because we don't want to do the basic early tenets of the Acts type church. It asks too much of us. 
It requires too much of us to die. We simply want to build our own American churches based on our own ideology, our own political stance, our own feelings, and our own preferences about how much I will give to God and how much he should be pleased of me. But oh, I'm teaching my boys something a little different. I'm teaching about a gospel that requires me to die and take up my cross and follow him. I'm preaching a gospel that may ask my boys to have their feet walk on continents and countries that my eyes have never seen. I believe God will raise up my children if I will preach this pure gospel to give more of themselves, more than I want them to give as their parent. But if God calls them to a place to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, let not my passion die out. Let not my pursuit of him die out that I hold them back from the call of God, but may I release them to fulfill what God had put inside their earthly bodies. We are in a crisis. 2.7 million people will walk away from the American church this year. I said this in Sunday school today. 1,500 pastors will leave the church this month to contention and strife in the church, moral failure, or to simply be burnt out. 75 churches will close their doors this week in America. 60% of all American churches will be closed by 2050. We're no longer bragging about being Church of God, Methodist, or Baptist because all the preachers of these, these denominations know we are dying. The Church of God's not dying, Pastor, you're right, because of missionaries. Outside of America, we are growing. Inside of America, our growth is purely, let me get real with you, is transfer growth. Simply saying, the baptism pools are empty in the Pentecostal churches. Don't leave me now. Come on, North Wahala, where you at? 15 church, 15% of the churches in America are growing but 14% of that is because of transfer growth, which means nobody is being saved. No county in 2013, I went back to them to just trace my steps. No county in America has had at least 1% church growth in America. No wonder the church of Laodicea, the true amen says, I got something to say to you. And I say to the American church, wake up, baby. It's time to hear what the Lord has to say to the church. We've got everybody else speaking to the church. We've got every hip young preacher speaking to the church. We are making superstars out of 19-year-olds because they sing good and preach good and look good and talk good. Are you listening? We have made doctrines out of physical things and tangible things that are not scriptural. And we think if we just apply this cookie cutter church growth manual to every church in America, it will work. And I've come to let you know, unless God builds the house, they that labor in the house labor in vain. My God. So Jesus shows up quickly to the church at Laodicea and he says the amen speaking, which means the firm, the stable, the sure, the established, and the trustworthy. Why do we lock him out of the church when he is the firm, 
the truth and the trustworthy. But somehow I believe that we're pushing Christ away because his doctrines are controversial. They challenge the sinner as well as the church participant. And I've come to let somebody know today we need God to speak again. We need the parables to be lived out. We need the Sermon on the Mount to be practiced at North Wahala. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that seek peace. Blessed are you listening this morning. That's the stuff that has to be preached. Not some cute thing you found online. Not some little balloon that somebody put in your spirit. Not something that you read in Reader's Digest. But what does God have to say to the church? And why, listen, listen, let me preach here for a moment. Be a little evangelistic. Why is it that we have to debate the meaning of the scripture, but we take everybody else's word as pure gospel? Why are we gonna break down Jesus and say, I believe this is what he really meant right here, but we let some preacher teach person, some Hollywood star, some Oprah Winfrey tell us what God is, what essence, what energy, and what presence. The devil is alive this morning. If it's in the word of God, that is my blueprint for success. Modern preacher said recently, one of the fastest growing ministers and ministries, we can have Jesus without the word. I said, no, we cannot have him without the word. I find out more about him in the word. Somebody will say, preacher, but what about when the Bible was not there in the natural sense? God always revealed his word through Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? But John 1 and 1 is clear. They are the same. You cannot separate the two this morning. Let's jump right into this. Go back to verse 15. So watch what the Lord says to the church. I know your works. Look to your neighbor and say, he knows. So let's not be arrogant and pretend that he doesn't. He knows when churches stop giving. He knows when individuals stop sending missionaries. Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel, baptize men. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We forgot about that scripture. He knows the work of the church. If our biggest agenda item on our church calendar is to make you pleasant and happy, then God's left the church. You'll find that nowhere in Acts. I find the Acts house church praying for people to get out of jail, and they were praying so hard and loud that when the man got out of jail, they didn't even believe the angel that came to the door and say he's out of jail, and the person that came with them, are you listening? That's the, what we are supposed to be doing. He says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I can wish that you were. The reason that God wants them to be hot or cold because even if you're cold, at least you can feel what's going on. But because you're lukewarm, you have no feeling. You can't discern the different difference. He says, if you're hot or cold, at least you've got feeling. I say to the church, where is the feeling of the church? It's like the old grandma. Come on, baby. Come on now. Anybody with me? If that place is not being used, stop what we're doing. If this place is not being used, then stop what you're doing. If the prayer altars are not being used, then stop what you're doing. Just three amens there? Now listen, this is the scripture. This is where the power comes from. This is where the church comes alive. He says, I would vomit you out my mouth because why? You say, we bless preacher. 
You make a good salary. The church is doing good. We're better than the church down the road. I didn't come to compare us to the church down the road. We're the church that's on fire for God, ready for a new, fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we cannot relax back on our bottoms and pretend that the church world doesn't need a fresh move of the Holy Ghost because when your children go to college the professors are tearing down the churches but one thing they cannot tear apart if God moves upon this body and your children see things that professors cannot denounce and they stand up and say you can say what you want to say but I see with my own eyes devils cast out I see with my own eyes Oh, no, no, I'm a preacher. I've seen with my own eyes people delivered. I've seen with my eyes where people confessed sins and was received back into the church. I received with my own eyes when God healed my mother from cancer. What we need this morning. You can do it any way you want to. You can do it with blue jeans or suits. I don't care. But you cannot lock Jesus outside the church. He still must be Lord of this church. When you're lukewarm, you can't feel the bitterness that's inside the church. When you're lukewarm, people can see it, but you can't discern it anymore because you feel absolutely nothing. So what do you do? You rest back on your self-satisfied laurels and you say, I'm rich and I'm wealthy and I have need of nothing. But the word says that's a myth because when you neglect Jesus Christ, you may think you're rich, you're wealthy, and have need of nothing. But without sight of Jesus Christ, you could do absolutely nothing. And what you don't know when you exclude the Savior is that tomorrow when you shut him out of your life, and he no longer leads your life, when you have died and became up under the umbrella of the cross, and you lose his vision, his character, you have no values of him but yours alone, and you walk on your own power, there will always be a trial and there will always be a crisis of the church that you cannot fix. But for those who know how to be still and wait on God and go back to a prayer closet and say, this is not personal, but we cannot move until the Holy Ghost says move to those type of people, you can hear the voice of God again. But what we need is a reality check because what we're saying today in the church, bills are paid. Best jobs ever. I have need of nothing. But you don't know what your son watched last night. And you don't know the car wreck that's coming this week. And you don't know the filth that's going on behind closed doors and sent messages back and forth. You don't know that guy that's praying after your wife at work. You don't know the devils that are outside the church trying to get in the church and take root. You don't know the devils that want to get in positions of the church world. You don't know the politicians of the church who now have high jobs in the church of God but have forgot how to pray and fast and forgot their roots but now they're trying to lead our church. You don't know all this but that's a, there is a God who knows this morning and there's a God who's still trying to lead your life and lead this church and he says back to us in scripture, you say that you are rich, he says, I say you're wretched. He says, you say you're wealthy, he says, I say you're miserable. He says, you have money, God says you are poor. You say you have it all, you can see it all, God says you are blind, and finally the scripture says to the Laodicean church, you are naked and ashamed. 
Churches hear me. This is not a rebuke, but it is a message to stir you for our next season. We cannot go a quarter in this church without baptizing people in water. Pastor, what's so big about baptism? It's an outward sign of a new inward word. It means somebody got saved because this church was about the Father's business. When we go a quarter without baptizing people, stop, quit, fall back on your face and pray to God saves another soul. If that doesn't motivate you, I don't understand what you're doing up on the umbrella of church. If it doesn't motivate you that your neighbors are dying and going to hell, if it doesn't motivate you that our children are leaving the church and not coming back, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm not your puppet and I'm not your clown. I'm a man that came from a prayer room to tell you what thus saith the Lord. And what God is saying is this, we need a reality check in the church because we think we have it all. We can do church better. Lights, camera, action, roll. Roll the church camera and just pretend let's have church again and go home. And I'm saying to somebody, stop what we're doing. Something is wrong. Everybody seems happy, but we're miserable and nobody's being saved. Let's fall back on our face. Let's let God speak one more time to the church and let us take this region for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's a close. He says, Here's the remedy. Buy from me. <laughs> Acquire from me. Come back to me. That word buy really kind of messed with me because I, I thought, God, we can't buy. But the better translation, I believe, is to acquire. Gain from me. Sit with me a while. Come, come, come stay with me a while. Eight people showed up last Sunday morning at five o'clock to pray. Excuse me, last Monday. It's powerful. I was so pleased. Over 35 people showed up Wednesday night in prayer meeting before church started and came in and prayed. If we'll just sit with him a little while and begin to understand, God will bring a clarity to your thoughts and a, a calmness to your spirit. I want you to be successful. I pray you make $10 million this year if it prospers your soul. But I don't want you to lose your soul while you're gaining this world and trying to change the church to fit your lifestyle and your circumstance. That's not how it works, folks. I know in other places it's preached different. I'm not that person. And I'm not going to be that person. I'm telling you what God says in Revelation chapter 3. He says to us that we need to attain gold here in the councils for true riches. That means we get our idea again. Listen to me as I preach. We get our idea back in the church what really matters. Let me tell you one of the greatest miracles of my life, one of the greatest manifestations of blessings. Tracy, I want you to hear this. Wednesday night, I was walking around. I like to walk and pray. My ADD won't let me sit long. I like to walk and pray. I was walking and praying, and Jessica was coming from work. Danny, you know this to be true. Ashton has to stay with me. He visits with me when he's not at daycare. So Ashton and I were just walking and praying. Just walking and praying. Just walking and praying. I was praying in the Spirit. Praying for people, praying for you, praying for family, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, just praying. I walked in the house Thursday night, and if you know me, I'm from the old school. I don't pick about speaking in tongues. I don't mock people. I don't pretend if God's not in it, I'm not doing it. I'm just old school, okay? Don't, don't, I know all hip people now, we, it's hip to, to show what people, I, I'm old school, okay? And I walked in and I heard Ashton just speaking in audible sounds, syllables. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. 
He's saying all kinds of things. And it sounds like tongues. I, I'm not saying he was speaking in tongues. But what I'm saying was it was, it was that type of language. It, it was, it, and he's just going to town in there. Just, just going to town. And I went to rebuke him that, tell him to stop. And then I felt the Holy Ghost rebuke me. And I said, Ashton, what are you doing? And asked him, if I, if I speak harsh or strong to him, he'll look up, Daddy. I said, Ashton, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying, Daddy. I'm praying like you prayed last night. And I felt the Holy Ghost just come on me. I said, son, what are you doing? He said, you know how you prayed that language last night. And I'm not saying he's speaking a heavenly language. I don't know. That's between him and God. But I'm telling you this, it marked my mind forever. And he started, and I looked at him again. I said, son, you blessed me. He said, daddy, that's just my prayer. He said, that's how I pray in Spanish. <laughs> tell you something. You can't buy that. You can't buy that. That's not produced with coming to church once a year on Easter and Sunday. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the fullness of God and people that invested in my life. You can't buy that, but your children won't know it unless you come back to prayer rooms and your children won't know it unless you read the Bible. You can't tell your children to live out what you're not reading to them. You can't make your home or tell your home to follow scripture with dad when you're the priest of your home and you're not preaching it daily to them. You cannot get them to do what you're not living out yourself, but if we'll let Christ back into our life, I'm telling you, there'll be a last day outpouring and a change our nation. Do it again, God. Quickly, listen to me. I got 14 minutes. Listen to me. He says, with white raiment, which means produces righteousness. He tells us to know in our eyes what I have, to give a spiritual sight once again. Recently, I was in a place, I'm going to tell you this quickly. And sometimes it was a generic statement, and I was wrong for it. As I was leaving that place, I knew the people weren't living right. So I did what we did in the, the normal, natural Southern culture. You know, God bless you. You Missouri people don't know that, but that's what we do. We'll say, bless you or something like that. And I went to visit these people, one who's not living where they know they need to be. And I went to walk out of there and I said this, well, y'all pray for me, pray for us. And I walked out the door and I felt the Holy Ghost slap me. And I felt him say in my spirit, why did you ask them to pray for you? You're supposed to be praying for them. You know where they're at spiritually. You need to speak life over their situations and pray for them and not use church phrases to build a relationship. We have got to anoint our eyes again with eyesalve that we have a spiritual discernment and a temperature gauge in the church to stand up and say, when we feel that God has not moved in a season or nobody's been saved, we've gotta have somebody with spiritual discernment to say, we've gotta stop what we're doing and go back to a closet and don't come out till we touch God one more time. Note your eyes, be zealous for God. I preached that a couple weeks ago, be zealous for the spirit. That means you and I have to put another log on the fire. That means we have to get up and come to church. Don't come to church on Sunday like this, parents. Oh, it's so hard to come to church on Sunday morning. Kids don't want to cooperate. Oh, Lord bless us. They just don't know how hard it is. Are you kidding me? You get up every day and go to work the same way. You go out and hunt deer at five o'clock in the morning with a song in your heart, singing, uh, skip to the loo, my darling, to the deer stand, and it's dark outside. It's got 
dough spray all over you, smelling like you ain't took a bath in a year. Come home singing about this little dough that you swear weighs 200 pounds, and we know it weighs 47 pounds, if you, you understand what I'm saying? But it's such a chore to get up to come to church. And I'm not talking about you single mothers, and I, I'm not talking about you that really are going through it. I'm talking about those that their heart has grown cold and they're drifting, and they make every excuse not to come to the house of God. I know there's times you can't make it. I know there's vacations. I'm talking about letting our children see us get up with a holy zeal to come to God's house knowing God has promised to meet us right here and repent. We preached on that last week that we may flow with God. Here's how I wanna close, verse 20. What, what, what must we do? I wanna leave you with something happy and good to revive you. What must we do? We must understand what God said to the church. The loving God that we have is not here to rebuke us to hell, but the loving God that we serve is saying to the American church and to the church at North Wahala, I stand at the door and knock. Shows me two things. First of all, he's on the outside. Can't leave him out there and expect to go forward. Amen. I'm praying that God will show miracles that you can't deny over this next season of our church. He stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Verse 19 says it this way. As many as I love, I rebuke. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He's saying to the church at Laodicea, he's saying to the church of America today, don't change my word. Don't push me outside of scripture. Don't become so much of education that you deny who I am. Don't push me out the church. Don't close the altars. Don't close the prayer room. Is anybody listening? Don't close singing songs that are full of anointing. Are you listening? Don't stop doing what we know to be true. If we do, we will push him out of the church. And then I ask you, what good is coming to church if Christ is not here? We cannot push him. We must understand he stands. Why? Because it shows the loving patience of a loving God who's ever here to forgive us and come into our lives. If you have backslid this morning, he's knocking on your heart. If your Sunday school class is cold, he's knocking on that door. If the youth group is not praying, he's knocking on that door. If the college of career is not doing the work of God, he's knocking on that door. He is a patient and loving God. The word knock is a continuous action in scripture. It means that God is steady knocking. Aren't you thankful to a God that will not give up on you, but I keep knocking on your heart to come into your life? to pull out of you what he's designed you to do. Aren't you thankful, North Walhalla, that when we were in some dry seasons and some hard seasons, a remnant of people remained faithful and kept praying and God kept knocking and look what we have today. Don't, listen to me, don't cut off that noise. That knocking noise is the knock of Jesus Christ. Open the door and let him come into your life. He says if you open I'll dine with you. That refer, refers in the Greek to a meal that is a feast. You want to be blessed? That new car is not going to be your greatest blessing because when you get the first month's payment, you're going to curse that payment. Your new hobby is going to last about that long and then you've got to find something else. But I tell this church this morning, 
There's a God on the outside that's trying to get on the inside. He does two actions, we do one. He knocks and he comes in. Only thing we've got to do is open the door. That's it. Open the door and say, you can have my seat, Jesus, and you come sit right beside me. Well, you might have to quit watching what you've been watching. Okay, just don't tell everybody. Okay, are you with me? God, you can have my life and my home. Then you've got to love your neighbor, the one that you've been cussing. Oh, oh, okay, God, I repent. Father, I want you to use me in the choir. I want to sing up under your anointing. Well, then you've got to quit showing out at the country cupboard when your coffee's cold and you don't leave a tip on the table. God, I want you to come in my life and save my children. Then you've got to teach them some consistency. You're up and down like a yo-yo. They don't know if they come into church or not because you've created an atmosphere of casualness about God's house. No wonder they're casual about God's house. Oh, it's quiet in here now. My goodness. We have got to produce an atmosphere in the modern church that church is important and Christ is premium in our lives again. Please tell me why the Mormon church can produce young people to leave scholarships and careers for a two-year mission, and we have a hard time keeping our kids in church from youth camp to youth camp. I'm just asking, I'm just asking, it's all right. I close with this, Danny, if you'll get ready, please. Verse 20 is one of the finest explanations of the whole Bible of how to see what God will do in our life. He's knocking on the church's door just like he knocked on your heart's door. Only thing we have to do is we have to respond and let him in back in the church. That means when I get my feelings hurt, I've got to let him in. That means when my neighbor comes, I've got to let him in. That means I've got to pray, I've got to fast, I've got to seek God. It's his church. What about that secret racism I have in my heart? You gotta deal with it. You gotta deal with it. You gotta let God have the fullness of your life. Having church without Jesus is like going to eat at a buffet with no fork. It just doesn't make sense. It's time that we let God be God in our churches again. I, I, I I, I know this is so small, but what Ashton did this week was probably one of the greatest miracles of my life. If, if you could have saw his, his, his face. I, I tell you all the time, Aiden's my, my Simon Peter, but Ashton's my John. If you could have saw the sincerity of his, that kid's face when he's speaking and praying, it rewarded my soul so greatly. If you know my prayer to you and my testimony to you, you I, I've told you over and over what the devil beats me up with, what I've taken from them. If I could give them Jesus, I I know I can't make them be saved. I don't mean that theology. I'm just saying that there's something about my life so imperfect that I am, lacking so many gifts that I don't have that others do. But if if I can give them Jesus, if I can show them Christ's love, you can say whatever you want to say about me. When I die, if they can say, that man was a gospel preacher, and he lived what he preached. That's good. That's, that's good with me. I told my mom and dad recently, if I die, I don't want no elaborate casket. I don't want any jewels. All that died when I got saved because I was an arrogant man. You don't want any of that. I want my life to be known as a gospel preacher. 
who preached the gospel without compromise, in love, unwavering, tried to live out what he preached before friend and family. If I can do that, then I'll be successful. I come to the church that I love today and I, I just preach this word I believe as, as momentum. To tell you what happened last Sunday was of God. What's going on privately right now in our Sunday school rooms and our prayer rooms are of God. And I want you to get on board. This is a pastor's plea to you this morning. I see so many churches of my brothers and sisters that are closing. I saw Pastor Smith walk in this class, this church, my class on Wednesday night, two Wednesday nights ago. I sent him to a church to preach the gospel and nobody showed up. Nobody was there. Our ministers are going to places where doors are being shut and closed in the Church of America and nobody cares because we have a few mega churches that seem like they're doing well, so everything's a-okay. And I say to you today, those churches and those preachers cannot strive for you, sir. They can't pray for you, I can't pray for you. It's your own walk, young person. You've gotta give your life to Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna say this boldly, and I know mom and dad, you may not like it, but hold on. I say to this group to my right, don't you hold back your life. I say to every teenager and every college and career student, you give your life to Jesus Christ who has called you and equipped you. And whatever he calls you to do, Titus, Xander, Isaac, any of you, you give your life to Jesus and you'll live a purpose-fulfilled life. And when God calls you home, you'll fulfill what God's called you to do. You shall be blessed. Oh, brother, that's too hard for them. They can't take it. It's time to grow up in Jesus' name. Stand with me all over the house. Stand with me. I challenge this church to pray with me. I challenge this church to fast with me. Tuesday morning at six o'clock, I want you to come pray with me. If it's feasible in your schedule, the church will be open at five. I'll join with you before six. I'll pray with you one hour and then I'll take my kids to school. If you can't make it, pray at home. I understand that. Brother, no, why would you ask something so crazy? Because we need something more. Because if I just do it casually, you'll treat it casually. If I just say pray, then you might pray at supper today. No, we're gonna pray specific, believing that God's sending an outpouring. But the first thing we've gotta do is have a reality check. We've gotta let God back in the church. In our marriages, in our careers, in Jesus' name. Father, I've preached your word with momentum. I've said that word three times. I really feel in my spirit this word is bent to push us a little further. Push us, push us, push us. Father, we cannot get comfortable or complacent. We are the church of Laodicea. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name.